Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Today's episode is the first installment in unconventional Christmas movie month. And Adam's choice for this episode is a doozy. Him and I are going to sit down to chat about 1987's Lethal Weapon. We're going to answer your questions on why we think it's a Christmas movie, give you our thoughts on the best scenes, best lines, and so much more regarding this action classic. So, after the trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you Lethal Weapon. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. Do you really want to jump? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, what do you mean? Wait a minute. What the? He was ready to retire. Now, he's going to wish he had. Gun! Oh, oh, oh. Raj, meet your new partner. New partner? If these guys can just stand each other. What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. Don't kill anybody. Don't tell anybody. I'm too old for this. Are you as good as you say you are? Nobody can touch me. We better register you as a lethal weapon. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. Welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Joining me is uh, the now permanent co-host of the show, Adam. Adam, it seems like every year we try to do a Christmas movie, and it seems like it's fucking cursed. Uh, and this, I mean, is- yeah, every time. And I think, like uh, you know, um, Santa Claus knows that uh, that we've been bad, so. He curses our uh, our podcast instead of giving us coal. So I think so it's, we're going to be visited by the Krampus. Yeah, I think it's bad <laughs> because like the show's not good. Not because you and I are bad human beings. I mean, so I think once we start putting know. out a quality product, I think he'll yeah. he'll leave us alone. Yeah, maybe when we uh, finally get sponsored by um, a restaurant for our hot off the take segment. I'm about to just give that up. I'm about to just fucking start throwing restaurant names in there and just like, fuck it. You guys deal with it. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, we tried to do this one on Friday. I was sick. Yeah. No, Saturday I was sick. Uh, Sunday was still filling under the weather. And then you've had internet issues for the last few days. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Spectrum. Yeah. Internet was out. Uh, and I ended up uh, resorting to my phone, and that was it. I actually uh, turned the hotspot on my phone to get uh, internet on some things so I could have some entertainment because we cut the uh, cord a long time ago with cable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm I at that point now, too, where, like, fuck, if my internet goes out, like, I, I don't know what to do. 
like I'm seriously contemplating buying like a bunch of like hardbound books to put in the house in case like the internet goes out. I to be to be uh, honest, I actually did uh, throw in some uh, Blu-rays and watch some Blu-rays. So. See, I can't even do that. I don't have any. I don't have any physical media outside of a couple of concert DVDs, um, and I don't have a player. Like we, like the only player we have in our house is my son's uh, PlayStation Four. That's oh, it, wow. and yeah. he ain't fucking coming. Like that thing's not leaving his room to come out here and play movies. <laughs> and I don't even yeah. know if we have red boxes anymore. Yeah, I think the only one that I know of is uh, there's one outside of Kroger on Main Street. Yeah, there's that's it. Yeah, there's one uh, at a couple of Kroger locations in town. Uh, my the local yeah. one by my house has one too, but I'm almost at the point where like I'm probably one of those old people. Like I don't even know how to fucking operate this thing. Like, what do I do? <laughs> You're like one of those people that get up to uh, the Coke freestyle machines and then just have uh, a stroke and decide to just collapse because it's so complicated to them. <laughs> no, I I have a game plan when I go to that Coke Zero machine. Um, well, this is before I I've now have dropped regular soda. I am now on the uh, zero sugar train. It's helped me shed yeah. some weight, but. Back in the, my heyday, back when I was trying to get on the, that Wilford Brimley plan, I used to do uh, the Coke, and I would put um, like the uh, orange cream soda, oh, in there, yeah, yeah. and I'd mix that together. But it just it never tasted the same. It always it always yeah. tasted a little watered down to me. So I'm not a big fan of those. It's like uh, what do they call that? Like. Um... They brought it back out too. It tastes like a dream sickle. It's like Dreamland or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I it, I just stick. I uh, I'm on Pepsi Zero or Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. That's it. I I don't pay attention to any of the latest uh, soda trends. Yeah, I'm I'm bummed that they don't like you know bring out um, the new products in Zero. I, I'm I'm on the Zero train too. I don't really like to do. Um, too much sugar in my drinks because I, I crash really hard at the end of the day. So I know for me, it was just, uh, I was a little scared to do it. I'm like, cause I, mm-hmm. I, I fucking hate diet Coke and diet Pepsi. I don't know what, it's just that aftertaste that I get. Yeah. And it's I like the watery kind of, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it just gives me a really bad, like after it could be the aspartame in it. Yeah. But man, like I tried one of the zero sugars once and I go, fuck, this is pretty good. Why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. They use something different. It tastes way different than like Coke zero tastes almost like Coke and diet Coke is just ass water. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably like some abandoned, like super soldier serum and it's probably going to end up, you know, like, I'm going to be like 80 pounds. It just, it's going to slowly shrink me down to where like you could put me in your pocket or something weird. Yeah. I'm going to shrink. Hopefully it's super soldier serum. Oh no. Like if, if I had that, like I would my this podcast would totally change from being a movie podcast to where like I'm fucking fighting crime and I'm chronically, I'm just like putting it down for everybody. Like, Hey, 
I fucking defeated two muggers yesterday, and I threw them through a brick wall. And that'd you be the whole point. Like one. So you should have one of those earpieces in your ear, and then you can do the podcast while you're fighting the mugger. Well, wait for me to get in the better shape. I like, I I know I've lost some weight, but like I still get winded pretty easy, and it would be it'd be like okay. <sighs> I, just, <laughs> I got th- I throw you through a brick wall, but. It does. It does nothing for my endurance. Speaking of uh, fighting crime, that is a good segue. Yeah, I was going to say we have totally gotten off track. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the uh, the first of our month long uh, tribute to unconventional Christmas movies. We're calling this uh, unconventional Christmas movie month, and you and I kind of got together and we put a couple of. Uh, contenders into a ring and you actually chose the movie that we're doing today uh we are doing lethal weapon the first one from 1987 and if you somehow don't know what lethal weapon is and you're wondering what the fuck is lethal weapon all about let me tell you this movie is about a straight-laced la detective named roger murtaugh played by the incomparable danny glover who gets a new partner in the reckless and suicidal martin riggs played by mel gibson as they attempt to bring down a drug smuggling ring. Christmassy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I am uh, sure that some people are probably going to ask us why we consider this to be a Christmas movie. So I'm going to ask you, uh, why do you think this is a Christmas movie? Well, um, not only does it take place during Christmas, um, parts of the movie are uh, very much fueled by the fact that it is Christmas time. Um, and uh, actually one of my favorite lines, and I'll, I'll spoil it now because it's, it's definitely going to be uh, an honorable mention, but one of my favorite lines uh, from Gary Busey uh, is it's Christmas day. And then he, he shoots the, uh, the TV. Um, but a lot of elements of this movie uh, happen around Christmas time. A lot of the plot points, uh, uh, like the package that Danny Glover gets in the middle, uh, is you know wrapped like Christmas present. Um, a lot of the plot points are very Christmassy, and I think it has a little bit more, um, uh, may- maybe about the same amount of Christmas as Die Hard. And um, I will die on the hill that Die Hard is a Christmas movie too. Yeah, we're not even, that's not up for debate. I mean, yep. you can email us all you want to. I will not respond to any blasphemous Die Hard is not a Christmas movie emails. Not going to do it. <laughs> um, I actually, I consider it a Christmas movie too, simply because of everything that you said. Um, but also the movie, I don't think, continues on in like lethal weapon two, three, you know, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like Murtaugh inviting Riggs over for dinner and then kind of building a bond. And then later on a friendship. I don't think that happens if it was like any other time of the year. I think Roger Murtaugh does this because he knows Mel Gibson has nobody or Mark Riggs has nobody and it's Christmas time. So let's kind of get in the holiday spirit and Mm -hmm. invite him over. So he's not by himself during like the holiday season. Right. Right. He, he puts the, uh, the flowers on, uh, his wife's grave at the end. 
and says, you know, I miss you. Merry Christmas. And then, you know, he's kind of alone. And then, uh, Martal is like, yeah, you want to, um, you know, come in for, for dinner? And he's like, yeah, okay. And he even brings his dog. I mean, it's, it's a happy family Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. And then it just sets off the, uh, the sequels. And I mean, these two just have impeccable chemistry and I'll get into that here in a little bit with the, uh, some of the fun facts for uh, the movie. Um, are we going to talk about Mel Gibson at all? I mean, yeah. Um, we can talk about Mel Gibson. Um, at one point, I would say from probably 87 until maybe the late 90s, I think he was probably one of maybe five or six like bona fide movie stars that you could put his face on the poster and it was going to sell the movie. I mean, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think he was quite on that, uh, that Tom Hanks, uh, Tom Cruise line, but I think he was right below them with like Denzel and Julia Roberts. And then, well, I would say Will Smith too, in the late mid to late nineties was on that Hanks cruise line too. But yeah, uh, then, I mean, he, kind of got into some trouble. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know he has been very controversial in recent years regarding uh, his views on uh, like homosexuals. Uh, he's mm -hmm. made disparaging comments about that. He obviously he was caught on tape, wasn't he? Uh, he left a real nasty voicemail to his, was it his pregnant wife or his girlfriend? Yeah using a uh, very strong racially charged language in that as well. And since then he is uh, kind of taking a fall from grace. Yeah. He's, he's had a few uh, smaller roles in movies recently, but yeah, he, he's not the kind of star that he was. He's not the movie selling star. If you put his name on a marquee. Now he's not going to be uh, selling any tickets. I mean, maybe to some of the older crowd, like, oh, Mel Gibson's in a movie, but not to anybody new. Um, I think uh, it all started after uh, he did uh, The Passion of the Christ, right? Yeah, it's um, uh, after that movie came out, it's just kind of like his career just kind of took a very, it just, he got real weird after that movie yeah. came out. And it's just like he was kind of saying shit that nobody should be saying. Yeah. And uh I mean he he was being really anti Semitic during uh uh That's what it was. Uh top stop and um you know he was trying to be historically accurate, I guess, but he did so in a very insensitive and uh terrible way. Yeah. Um I was curious to see how Hollywood was going to treat him because he actually got um, a best director nomination. I forget what year it came out, but he directed Hacksaw Ridge, which was the uh, mm -hmm. biographical uh, World War II movie about uh, what was that character? That gentleman's name, Desmond Dawes, who yeah, was the, uh, Andrew Garfield, right? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie uh, got uh, quite a few uh, Oscar noms. Really good movie. I found it to be fantastic. Garfield's especially really good direct. Gibson did the did do a very good job directing. I mean, he's a a great director. Uh well obviously yeah. he won a Best Director Academy Award for Braveheart, but 
mm-hmm. yeah, he just uh, has never really recovered from that. But then, like, honestly, I can't see a lot of people supporting him. I don't know how you feel about this, but how do you feel about, like, people that do things like that? Like, are you able to separate the role from the person or you just like, well, if this person's kind of despicable, I'm not going to support them in any way. I'm not going to watch their movies, anything like that. It depends on the transcription, I guess, in a way. And, um, I'm usually able to do that. Like, um, Tom Cruise is, uh, Scientologist weirdo. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I love Tom Cruise's movies, but yeah, as a person, no. Yeah, no, he's he's weird. I, I probably would not hang out with him. I mean, I would be like, hey, it's Tom Cruise and, you know, maybe get something signed. But I I would know. take a selfie with uh, him and that's it. Right. Uh, see, that's like on the low end of the spectrum. And then a good example, I guess, would be uh, uh, J.K. Rowling. Her, um, her series Harry Potter is one that I uh, like a lot. But she's had some controversial comments on uh, Twitter. And some very controversial comments um, about some uh, minority groups uh, in person, and uh, I don't condone that kind of stuff. So, like the more recent stuff she's written, I'm probably not going to read. But I'm not going to let um, her being a terrible person um, reduce my enjoyment in my childhood of the books that she wrote for. So that's kind of where I'm at with uh, controversial people. Like I can draw the line at a certain point and then that's where I'm at, you know? Right. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I am too. Like, like I can separate the person from the role. And like when it comes to stuff like movies, like, Mm -hmm. like we'll just use Mel Gibson as an example. Yeah. Mel Gibson has said very hurtful things towards a number of different communities and like if he were like someone that like an author i i would support that kind of behavior but also this the flip of a coin mm-hmm. you know he was in lethal weapon but also yeah. danny glover was in lethal weapon so okay so i have to you know not support danny glover because of what mel gibson did i'm also a huge right. richard donner fan i've enjoyed his most of his filmography I'm not going to support yeah. Richard Donner and all the hard work he put into it. And like all the people from, you know, the supporting cast all the way down to like the fifth key grip. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Like I was saying, like uh, I'm not going to let their current transgressions ruin uh, what I liked in the past. Um, like lethal weapons been out for a while now. So I get a copy of Lethal Weapon or from a used store or I'm streaming it. It's not supporting Mel Gibson in any way. He's already, he's already gotten paid for it. You know, uh, I'm not going to be contributing to Mel Gibson's well-being or his bank account anymore. Um, same with J.K. Rowling or uh, Tom Cruise or whoever else is controversial in the media. If they did something in the past when I enjoyed it, now they're like a jackass now i'm i mean i'm i don't have to buy their new stuff i don't have to go support like if uh mel gibson decides to you know uh write direct and star in a movie and it's only him and it's a one-man show i don't have to go see that 
but I can enjoy Lethal Weapon. Right. Yeah. Um, well, enough uh, giving him attention. Uh, I mean, he's been in some stuff like uh, Daddy's. He was in Daddy's Home too. Uh, he's yeah. been in some, you know, stuff that has uh, kind of not been sort of well. Daddy's Home. That those were like kind of big movies, but like outside of that, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I haven't really watched anything of his in quite a while. I just kind of revisit his old stuff. I try to remember him pre when I thought he was just the coolest dude ever. Like I was a huge Mel Gibson fan as a kid. Yeah. Mad Max, uh, the lethal weapon series ransom. I'll fucking like all day on ransom. That movie still fucking rocks, but, uh, yeah, his new stuff, like I'll take it or leave it. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's get off of Mel Gibson a little bit. Let's just talk about lethal weapon. How fucking awesome this is. Um, yeah, the tale of the tape, uh, Lethal Weapon was released on March the 6th, 1987. This stars Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Mitchell Ryan, Gary Busey, Darlene Love, and the always awesome Tom Atkins. Uh, this was directed by uh, Richard Donner. Now, I've heard people refer to him when they speak about him as Dick Donner. So since we are a movie podcast, we're in the entertainment industry. Yeah. We kind of, you know, we have yet to mingle, rub elbows with uh, the Hollywood elites, but I think it's okay for us to call him Dick Donner. Yeah. Plus, it just it's I think so. It's it's easier to say. Um, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score of eighty percent from critics and eighty six percent from audiences. The consensus, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is the most successful installment in a phenomenally successful franchise. Lethal Weapon helped redefine action movies for the 80s and 90s. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, budgeted at $15 million, this movie made $120.2 million. Uh, actually got a Best Sound Mixing uh, nomination at the Academy Awards. Uh, lost out to The Last Emperor, which I completely forgot about till I researched this, that The Last Emperor was kind of a thing in 87. And I was a little shocked that right now you cannot stream Lethal Weapon anywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't like I was like, oh fuck, this has got to be on HBO Max for sure. And usually when I go to find a movie that we're doing on the show, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Like I just look for it on like a streamer first versus like I, if I have a pretty pretty hefty digital movie library, the movies that I've bought over the years. And like I could have easily just checked that first, but I was like, oh, I'll see if it's on Max. Nope, not on Max. Uh, checked out the awesome app, Just Watch. Uh, if you ever want to see what movie or television show is streaming on what service, I highly recommend downloading Just Watch. It will be your best friend. Uh, so I looked it up, and yeah, it's not streaming anywhere. You can buy this on uh, Apple, Vudu, Amazon Prime, wherever you get your digital movies, but yeah, I can't stream it anywhere. Wow, that's or, surprising. Or don't be like me and not have anything to play physical media. You can always go buy it. Oh. As a matter of fact, yeah. I believe they have a pretty pretty hefty, uh, I think it was a DVD set or a Blu-ray set where you can get all four of the movies on one disc. Yeah, yeah, I remember that set. Yeah, so you can always do that too, and I bet it costs you like 10 bucks. Or... You can go super old school and be a hipster and go get the VHS. 
Yeah, or you could be like a uh, <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Mark Dyer, and watch it on Laserdisc. <laughs> I wonder if there is a Laserdisc copy. I bet there is. I would bet that there is one for Lethal Weapon, but mm-hmm. outside of that, I don't. I don't know if they'd have two. I know they don't have three and four. I would be highly surprised. Well, no, three might be. Three is probably right on that threshold of where VHS was still popular. Mm-hmm. And you could probably get the laser disc, but yeah, I know four would be four was definitely in that, that I think that DVD, like the cusp of DVDs yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, did you know, uh, this is the part of the program where we give you some fun facts, little tidbits about the behind the scenes, uh, making of the movie. Uh, Lethal Weapon spawned three sequels in 1989 with Lethal Weapon 2, uh, Lethal Weapon 3 in 1992, and Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998. And I forgot about this until I was researching for the movie. Uh, Fox had the Lethal Weapon TV show from uh, 2016 to 19. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot that existed. Which, yeah, that's a pretty interesting read, too. Like, check that out. Uh, the two leads were uh, Chase Crawford and Damon Wayans, and apparently those two did not like one another. And uh, I think Chase Crawford left in season two and was replaced by Stifler, which okay. I don't I don't think he played Stifler in that. Though. I think he was like a new character altogether, although I would have watched that him Stifler. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, fuckface? Um, I found this one to be pretty interesting. Uh, Bruce Willis and Mel Gibson were each being considered for the other's role in Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. So Mel Gibson was in the running to play John McClane in Die Hard. And Bruce Willis was in the running to play Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, fun fact, both of these, those movies were produced by, uh, Joel Silver. Oh, okay. Well, they have kind of the same, uh, like, I, I know they're both action movies, but they have kind of the same feel. Yeah. Uh, I did not know this, too. They both use the same uh, Beretta, which has since been retired, McLean and Martin Riggs. Yeah. Okay. Um, Michael Bean was considered for the role of Martin Riggs, but he was shooting aliens at the time and could not do it. I guess apparently that's uh, one of the guys that Dick Donner wanted. Because he had seen his work in Terminator. Yeah. And he couldn't do it. So, uh, can't say that I blame him, though. I mean, like, he would have won out either way. Yeah. Um, this one was kind of weird. Uh, Shane Black wanted William Hurt to play Martin Riggs. Oh. But, uh, Warner Brothers essentially told him, like, no, that's, that's not going to work for us, dog. And they uh, they said no. They basically said no to him, which I can't see William Hurt playing Martin Riggs at all. I just William Hurt is a fantastic actor, but I don't see him having the physicality no. to do something like this. And I think what makes this work for Mel Gibson is the fact that you kind of buy the character as like he's off his rocker. I could see him doing like the like the depressed suicidal type of uh shit going on with rigs, but I cannot see like, like the three stooges. I think that's one of the coolest things that they did with this character is like, he is, 
a huge Three Stooges fan. Even at the beginning of the movie, the the tree lot, he even does like the curly where he like smacks his face yeah. to get ready. I can't see William Hurt doing that, or if he I, I also, doesn't, can't pull it off. Yeah, I also love the fact that I, I know it. It's not something to be happy about, but during the scene where he's uh, attempting suicide, he's watching the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and he incorporates uh, the Three Stooges stuff throughout the whole movie, like the series too. And yeah, yeah. I can't see William Hurt doing that. Yeah. Uh, Brian Dennehy was considered for the Roger Murtaugh role, but he turned it down because he had already played a cop in such movies as First Blood and FX, which, have you ever seen FX? No, I don't think I have. Oh, dude. Definitely check those out. Uh, F- FX was in like eighty. 80- six i think and then they made a sequel uh-huh. in like 91 or 92 it's really good uh dennehy is a cop and then uh brian brown you're seeing cocktail with tom cruise yeah oh that mm-hmm. we got to do cocktail at some point that movie is one of the most unintentionally funny movies i've ever seen like tom Cru- <laughs> tom cruise is a bartender but uh brian yeah. brown is like tom cruise's mentor in that Okay. But he plays a movie special effects guy and uh, he gets involved in like this murder case with Dennehy. But yeah, it's actually really good. Both of them. Okay. Highly recommend them. So yeah, FX. It's F slash X. F slash X. Yep. Um, Dick Donner, who directed all four of the Lethal Weapon movies, uh, wasn't the first choice from uh, Warner Brothers. They actually approached Spock. Leonard Nimoy to uh, direct this, who uh, I didn't know he was like kind of that in demand as a uh, director. I know he did. Didn't he do Star Trek three? Yeah. I I know he directed Star Trek three, but uh, Leonard Nimoy turned it down because he didn't think that he could direct action movies. Well, did he, uh, did did he direct his uh, Bilbo Baggins music video? (laughs) I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah, he was too but, busy you know. saving Springfield from the monorail. <laughs> <laughs> actually, though, in all uh, all fairness, he was actually uh, he went on to do uh, 1987's highest grossing movie, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, that's a good one. That's all, dude. Like my mom for like as this. Like she fucking loves Tom Selleck and like, yeah, that's like one of that's in her wheelhouse that and that Tom Selleck movie where he's the, uh, the airplane mechanic who gets, uh, sent to prison because those crooked cops plant Coke in his house when they bust the wrong house. I forget what movie it is. Yeah. Oh, an innocent man. Fucking loves that movie. That movie used to be on all the, like whenever that movie would come on HBO, she's like, Oh, I'm, she would stop and watch it. So if my mom were hosting this podcast, if we gave her like the forum, like that would probably be the movie she would do or, well, no, the other movies like we've already done, so she can't do them. So yeah, it would be an innocent man. Uh, this one I thought was really cool. Uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover were flown to LA to read the script together. And according to Donner, it took about two hours, and by the time we were done, I was in seventh heaven. They found innuendos. They found laughter where I never saw it. They found tears 
where there didn't exist before, and most importantly, they found a relationship all in one reading. So if you ask yep. about casting, it was magical, just total dynamite. Okay. Which, I but mean... They if you, do have a really good, you know, uh, rapport with each other, I think. Yeah, even if you see them in interviews now, like, they still look like they have been friends for, like, 30 years. And, like, they hang out all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like the camaraderie that we have with our little circle of friends, too. It's like those guys have it. But we've just called- wish I could be as cool as Danny Glover, but you know. Well, we no nobody can. Um, the last <laughs> one that I have, and this is more, this isn't really a fascinating fact. I just found it to be very comical, and I share it with the crowd. I've I've spoken about my mother a couple times on the program, where she has like a wheelhouse of like ten movies, and then I told just mentioned about uh her love of Tom Selleck and uh, the movie An Innocent Man, but uh she calls this movie. Legal weapon. Uh, you know, out of all the names that they could have named this, um, and, you know, I don't think that anything they do in this uh, movie with weapons is legal. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of, I felt bad. I kind of baited her like last week because she was asking me how, you know, what the next movie we were doing. And I said, oh yeah, I was like me and Adam, or doing a movie, and I, I was like, fuck, I need to try to bait her to say it. I was like, it's that movie, it's, uh, I got Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, they're the police, the the cops in LA, and I was like, I can't think of the name of my, <laughs> without a bat and I, she goes, oh, that's Legal Weapon. <laughs> legal Weapon. Yeah. I don't think she listens to the show, but if she, she's like, if she's real pissy at me soon, I, I don't know if she checked it out. Um, did you have any, <laughs> did you have any fun facts about this one? I had a couple of, uh, fun facts. I decided to go with, uh, um, uh, movie goops, uh, uh, a few of them anyways. Um, I know we, uh, talked about making a, a, um, category for, uh, goofs or mess ups, uh, which I thought, you know, would be pretty cool, but I don't think we have enough for every movie to incorporate that quite. Yeah, that would just be one of but, those, uh, those ones that we bust out, uh, Every great now and again, I think come the first year, we might revamp some of these categories, may retire a few of them, introduce some new ones. Yeah. I'll text you here later this week. I, I got a few ideas I think might be kind of cool. Okay. Keeping the menu fresh and updated for, uh, for yeah, we're like chefs. Going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like <laughs> no one's going to come to this greasy spoon if we, you know, keep serving the same hamburgers every week. We got to throw lettuce right. in it every great once in a while. Throw a little bacon yeah, on the cheeseburger. It's not just the quarter pounder. It's the quarter pounder deluxe. Yep. Just like McDonald's. <laughs> um, uh, my first one is uh, uh, when um, Amanda is falling in the beginning, uh, when she uh, falls off the balcony into the car. Um, she actually uh, did that stunt herself, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, they... Uh, made the um big blow up thing uh the inflatable um down on the bottom of the fall um blend in with the environment around it made it look like it was a street you know so that they could actually do a really long shot on her um and uh and keep it in the movie um 
That being said, though, um, when she is falling, she actually looks like she's going to hit the windshield. She's like that far down. And then just all of a sudden she's in the middle. (laughs) It kind of it cuts at the right point to where you think she's going to hit. And then if you if you look closely, she like jumps to the middle of the car. Well, it's Um, like it's like a golf shot, you know, like she didn't she didn't adjust (laughs) for the wind and the wind kind of caught her and it kind of blew her (laughs) blew her left. (laughs) um uh in the middle of the movie uh rigs and murtaugh's cars license plate number changes um just randomly it's the same car different license plate number oh now see i seen that too but i i thought that that was just like the lapd just has like just a they got like they got a really good deal on those cars <laughs> from a dealer and they just bought like 12 of them. And yeah. it's, it's kind of like, uh, okay, well I'm going to take this cruiser to or this car today. And they just grab a random set of keys. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they went back, uh, you know, to the precinct without us knowing and they decided to take another car out. Maybe. I don't know. But movie magic. Yep. That's you know? whenever we can't explain it. It's just movie magic. <laughs> um, in the scene where uh, Riggs is being tortured, uh, he, he's depicted uh, without shoes. And then in between the time that he, uh, you know, gets out and starts uh, chasing the bad guys, he all of a sudden has shoes on. And there's no time for him to stop and put shoes on between the time he was getting tortured and the time he was running out. Uh, so he just randomly magically has shoes. Now it makes me wonder since, uh, uh, Shane black did the script for this and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he wrote die hard too. Uh, well I'll, I'll keep on with, but uh, well, let's say Joel silver. He produced both of these. It's, I wonder if they caught that themselves and like mm-hmm. lethal weapon. He magically had shoes we can't let this guy have shoes. Like he loses them. He has to lose them. No, uh, Shane black did not write die hard. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's like Joel silver is like, yeah, Shane, he had him with fucking shoes on. We can't have this guy have shoes. So it's like, they may have caught themselves later on down the road. Yeah, maybe. Um, Oh shoot. I lost my spot. I had my notes written down here and hey i'm sorry I, I i fucked you up i'm just i'm in a frisky <laughs> mood this evening so <laughs> oh um okay here it is uh so when um uh Myrtle's daughter comes down the stairs and says hey do you like my dress it's cool huh um when she says that her mouth doesn't move at all so it looks like they dubbed over it uh, in post. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I, I noticed that uh, when I watched it last, I was like, oh my gosh, wait a second. <laughs> Is that my um, player? Nope. That's nope. That's just how it was. Um, and then uh, as uh, she's driving the limousine and the chase scene at the end through the desert, and I have some things to say about that later on. 
uh, other than this, but um, as she's driving it and they're doing cuts back to the limousine that she's driving, the bullet holes change spaces uh, that they're in on the um, on the windshield and in the uh, hood of the car. Mm-hmm. Damn, you're good at this, man. Like, I don't, I don't normally catch the movie goofs like you. Like, I seriously like would have to look that shit up online. <laughs> Sometimes I do, uh, like get help from online, but more often than not, like, uh, I, I just, I'd pay attention to movies way too much that I watch too much. Lethal Weapon's one of those movies that I've watched a lot. Like, I always pick out the ones in Star Wars too when I watch it, like the boxes around the TIE fighters. And yeah. I've only noticed in Star Wars where the stormtrooper hits his head. Yeah. It's the only one I've ever there's caught. A, there's one uh, in the scene where uh, Han and Luke are shooting at the TIE fighters. Uh, they forgot to remove the uh, composite boxes around the TIE fighter. So you have actual like red and blue composite boxes around the TIE fighters <laughs> as they're flying. He's just like, oh, fuck, there it is. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Like, it, it, that's just part of the ship. <laughs> just roll with it. It's the it's the shield. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. You just fucked up. Yeah, but um, those are my uh, fun movie goofs slash facts. Right. I always get a kick out of those. And maybe maybe we should do that more often. Just roll those in there. Yeah. We'll have to think of a good name for it, though. Okay. All right. The uh, Martin Scorsese. This is Cinema Award for the best or your favorite scene in the movie. Um, there's a lot to choose from, uh, and this was really tough. I really, really, really like the scene where he try Riggs tries to talk the uh, the guy from jumping from the building, and then he ends up yeah. handcuffing him, and then basically he's daring him to jump so he could just basically put him out of his misery too. Yeah, I really dig that scene. Uh, I do like the desert sequence where they go yeah, to I like the desert sequence. Um and I even like the scene where um Riggs is trying to chase Joshua through the streets mm-hmm. of LA. I thought that was a really cool scene, but my favorite has to be the uh, fight in the yard between uh actually a couple moments that are going to be uh my nominees for categories later on this movie all culminate in that scene. Okay. All right. But I, I like that scene the best because I I really dig Gary Busey's uh, villain, and for the longest time I actually thought he was the primary villain in this because my introduction to Lethal Weapon was through Lethal Weapon Two. I seen that one first, and then I seen Lethal Weapon One. Okay. Um. But uh, and I always thought I seen Gary Busey was in. I was like, oh, he's got to be the main villain, and he's not. It's uh, Mitchell yeah, no, Ryan. He's, when- he's the- I mean, he's the one that uh, held out his arm and got it burned by a cigarette lighter because his boss told him to. Plus, he's got a very smug white person named Mr. Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like that sequence the best. I don't know. I, yeah. it, it's because like two of my uh, nominees for later categories come out of this scene. So for that reason... It's probably not the best scene in the movie. I would say the best scene is probably, for me, is the the scene where he jumps or even the Christmas tree lot scene is really good too. I would say that one. And then the, uh, the, uh, suicide jumper. But for me, my favorite scenes, the fight in the yard. Yeah. I, 
I I really like the fight in the yard. My favorite though has to be where he's chasing Mr. Joshua through the the city and um uh yeah, the grenades and the the guns and the random uh Grand Theft Auto in the middle. <laughs> I will say that one of my favorite shots from 80s action flicks comes from Lethal Weapon. It's where they kind of they pan back and Gibson's firing at Mr. Joshua's car and you kind of get like it's at nighttime and they have like the streets are kind of wet and it's kind of reflecting on the camera and it just takes that wide shot back and you see him firing the gun. You kind of get LA in the background a little bit. I've always liked that sequence. Just that shot. It's a really cool scene too. This movie had some pretty good cinematography for sure. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one though. I mean, there's, there's so much that you can choose from this movie, but yeah, I mean, I, I think neither one of us, can go wrong with our picks yeah but uh we can say it's a tie it's a tie a tie yeah okay yeah um and speaking of the uh the fight in the yard uh the andy dufresne get busy living or get busy dying award for the best or most quotable line of the movie it has to be uh how about it jack would you like a shot at the title that is such a fucking badass line that i wish that I could have used at school if I was about to, like if someone was trying to pick a fight with me. Yeah. I wouldn't have said it because at my school, I would say there's probably about a 75% chance I would have gotten the shit kicked out of me for saying something like this. Cause, uh, I went to school with a lot of tough kids. That's why mm. I, that's why I am who I am. I just tried to get along with everybody, but man, that when he said that, I was like, fuck that. That line right there, like, why that isn't quoted more often, I have no idea. And I am going to start a petition right now that we bring that back into uh, the lexicon, slang, if you will. That that needs to be said more often when you're about to fight somebody. Because yeah, he says it knowing that this guy is a dangerous son of a bitch. And he fucking knows, like, yeah, you're a badass. But I'm a bigger badass. Yeah. Because I'm it's going so cool. to win this. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay. And he I says it's not. so smooth, too, because what do you say, Jack? Would you like a shot at the title? I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I forgot all about that until I seen that. And Danny Glover just lets it happen. He just, he knows. He's just like, yeah, this is happening. And then he keeps all the uh, police officers back, like, wait, wait, wait. It's his arrest. Oh, I've got a question about that later on. Um, my uh, my pick is not the the same pick uh, for the rest of the movies, but we're not doing the rest of the movies. Everybody thinks like I'm getting too old for this shit is in this movie, but technically it's not. It's uh, I am too old for this shit, and then in the rest of the movies, it's I'm getting too old for this shit. Um. That's mine, just because it's iconic to the movie. Um, I, I'm willing to give it to yours though, because it's just it's just so fucking cool. It is, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say that probably if you're most people listening to this, they're gonna say that one. I'll even give an honorable mention to when uh, Danny Glover says to him, and I'm always a fan of when they throw the movie title into like the dialogue. He even says oh, like we have to, cool too. yeah like we have to reg- yeah. we may have to register you as a lethal weapon 
or if my mom yeah. were watching it as a legal weapon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's really cool too. Yeah, that but... was a cool line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course my my honorable mention of uh it's Christmas Day and then he shoots shoots the TV. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Danny Glover's line is argue, probably should be the winner for this. But yeah, man, like he I'm, that I'm that cold blooded delivery is like no, like I'll yeah. I'll fucking defend that one till like I don't fight too often for like my yeah. winner like my nominees, but I will fight to the death for that one. And I will yeah. dare say that that could even be a contender to rename this category. From the Andy Dufresne to the, what do you say, Jack? You want to show the title award for the best line of the movie? Like, that's how fucking passionate I, I, mean, I am about this. It, it fits too because it's a shot at the title of best line. So you know. Oh yeah. Um, the McLovin uh, award for the best or scene ceiling performance. Really, not a lot of like, uh, like mm-hmm. supporting roles in this. It's pretty much it's. Glover, Gibson, Busey, Mitchell Ryan's in it somewhat. I mean, maybe you can nominate uh, Murtaugh's wife or Leanne, but um, my nominees are a couple of 80s guys that if you've seen them in 80s action movies, you recognize the face. You may not know the name, but uh, Grant Bush is in this. He's a detective. Uh, You might remember him as uh, the black Agent Johnson from Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> or uh no relation. Yeah, no relation. Just like Saigon, a eh, slick. <laughs> uh, I was in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> or uh Al Leong, who is probably one of the best like I don't know that guy's name, but he's like the fucking like the third henchman. In every action movie from the eighties, he's the guy that tortures yeah. Riggs and ends up getting killed. And I sure he's probably had lines of dialogue before, but that's the first movie that I can remember him saying anything in, and that's the only movie I remember him having lines of dialogue. Yeah, didn't he? Uh, he was in the same room. I don't think he was the one on top of the table, but he was in the same room as uh, the guy uh, in the boardroom uh, scene where John McClane's underneath the table and he shoots the guy, right? Is no, it, he's is, not is him. Two- and Die Hard, he's the guy when they uh, the LAPD's trying to break into Nakatomi and he's in the uh-huh. lobby. He's the guy that steals the candy bar. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought he died way late or way earlier in the movie, but you're right. Okay. No, he hangs out for a bit. It's because yeah. like I think J- Joel Silver knew like, hey, that's Al Young. Why don't kill him off just yet? Right. Plus, awesome skullet. <laughs> yes. Yes. If we were doing the Hall of Fame for skullets, that would be it. Right there. Number one. Okay, maybe number two. I was going to say, yeah, Hulk Hogan's had a few movies. I'd say he has to be number one. Right. <laughs> he, Hulk Hogan has no fucking shame. It's like it's, it's, he has cultivated that look. Like I think Hulk Hogan is like King Skullet. <laughs> His new wrestling name, King Skullet. Uh, don't even get me started on Hulk Hogan. If Will, <laughs> who's done many episodes with us, if he was on this episode, yeah, definitely don't get him started on Hulk Hogan. 
Do not. <laughs> uh, who do you got? Um, I don't have anybody for this one. Like you said, there's not uh, a lot of supporting uh, actors. I couldn't nominate uh, one particular one. Uh, so I'm going to defer to yours. Um, I tried to pick somebody, but uh, the best I could come up with was uh, Murtaugh's daughter, and I really didn't like her. I don't like Murtaugh's kids in this one. Yeah. Um, I always found it weird that they bust in with a birthday cake when he's fucking stark naked in, in the, the bathtub. In the, yeah, that was so... Uh, yeah. If I, that, I didn't... My kids did that. Like, kid, go on. Let me get a fucking towel on. <laughs> Don't bring my birthday cake over to me while I'm naked in the bathtub. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. I've got one candle. No one wants to blow that out. <laughs> yeah, I just, I found that scene very weird. Like, okay, and like, there's not a lot of bubbles in there either. So there's really not a lot. Yeah, not, those bubbles are going away really quick. Not a lot of camouflage <laughs> in that bath water. It's like, okay, it's you got a few little bubbles and that's it. And they seem to be systematically placed. Unless he's taking a bath with fucking swim trunks on. I mean, I I have no idea. I've never seen it before, but I'm going to say as awesome as Dan Glover is, he's probably dealing so much more than a meal, so he's going to need a lot of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I did have that on my bingo card of shit we were going to talk about tonight, the size of fucking Danny Glover's <laughs> member. That should be fucking lethal weapon right there. <laughs> or legal weapon, whatever. No, that thing's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one was a tough category just because, yeah, there's not a lot of... It's very... This really leans on the, the the two leads. And Busey's in it too much. I'd say if... uh, You know, Busey were in it a little less, maybe him. Although I would yeah. say Tom Atkins... Simply because it's mm-hmm. Tom Atkins. I can maybe make a case for him too. Yeah. But he's and he's there's a there's a sequence where he's really fucking going for it. Like where he's begging Murtaugh to kill the guys that gave his daughter the drugs. Yeah. And then like later on you find out it's like, but you're kind of responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean you feel sorry for him at first, but then you're like, No, no, you drug your kids into that yourself. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Just for that reason, I'm going to give it to uh, my two nominees. Uh, yep. I'm going with yours. Now, I, I, I seriously think that like Al Young is probably a guy that we could potentially like actually have on the show. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, think it's like somebody true. that we could place a phone call to. And maybe actually he would say, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. What what does he steal in Die Hard? I think it's a baby Ruth. We can bait him with a baby Ruth. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> um I have the uh Welcome to Dumpsville Population U award for the performer that we would recast. Uh we normally don't do this because usually I'm fine with whoever they cast, but uh mm-hmm. Mitchell Ryan is the general, not buying it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um who who would you uh put in his place um i don't know like i there's probably a bunch of guys you could probably pick out of the 80s that mm-hmm. uh you could have gotten like 
I would say like someone like maybe like maybe like uh I think Richard Crenna would have been pretty good. But he's oh, also yeah. done that as Rambo, so I don't think he would have done that. Mm-hmm. I don't want he didn't, didn't want to get typecast. Uh maybe like a Harry Dean Stanton I can maybe buy. Yeah. Uh yeah, you, you don't want anybody to find Danny Glover or Mel Gibson, so you can't go with anybody too big. Right. I I think part of it is because you don't really know who he is. Like I have the only two things that I've ever seen this a guy in Mitchell Ryan, mm-hmm. not disparaging your work. I'm sure you're a fantastic actor is lethal weapon. And I remember my mom used to watch Dharma and Greg. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was the dad on Dharma and Greg for a little bit. Uh, okay. I don't remember. I think he was Greg's dad. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. remember that show. I don't think anybody does. But um, no. <laughs> those are the only two things I remember seeing him in. Yeah. And I think, yeah, maybe I would have bought it more if I had seen this movie in 87. Because when Gary Busey mm-hmm. got cast, he was kind of on a cold streak. Like, he hadn't mm-hmm. really been in anything of note in quite a while. And he had to audition to even get into this. And then, like, of course, Gary Busey now is fucking Gary Busey. And I think watching it yeah. from that, that prism, like, I know who Gary Busey is. I don't know who mm-hmm. you are quite as much. Kind of yeah. maybe slants my view on it a little bit. But I yeah. would, I just don't really buy him as, like, the main villain, you know? Or, like, the head yeah. of this operation. Somebody... Maybe, like... Yeah. Maybe somebody, like... uh trying to think of 80s guys like Paul Freeman of uh Belloc fame and Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost uh, Ark. I don't I don't really buy him as like a a drug dealing like former Vietnam vet though. Yeah, I guess so. He's kind of he's kind of lanky. Yeah. Um Damn it. This is one of the times where we could use Mark on this because <laughs> Mark could probably rattle off like 60 fucking guys from like the 1980s. Like yeah. maybe like a Lee Marvin, maybe. Yeah. No, I I don't know. Lee Marvin might have been dead by then too. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe like a. I like Harry Dean Stanton. Or fuck, what about Robert Duvall? That'd have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's the one. Well, we actually, since like I said, we are a movie podcast, and we you know we you know follow the biz. We can call him Bob Duvall. Yeah. Bob's the new uh the new general. Yeah. Let's dig it. All right. Uh you have anybody you would recast in that? No, no, I'm I'm on the same boat, the general. I didn't like him. I mean he's kind of a, a absent character throughout the entire movie, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh I'm just kind of going down a a list of uh I just looked up eighties actors and for some reason it brought me uh Dane DeHaan who was in fucking uh that Chronicle mm-hmm. movie. Like there's no way that guy was in the fucking uh, an eighties movie. No way. John Voigt would also work too, I think. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. All right, well fine choices either way. Um mm-hmm. The unsolved mysteries of the movie. Uh, I'm going back to the fight scene 
between uh, Riggs mm-hmm. and Mr. Joshua in the yard. Uh, since when is it okay for uh, any police department, let alone the LAPD, to allow a fucking super dangerous criminal who is murdered just in, right before this happens, he murders two LA police officers. Yeah. And they're okay with it being like, they basically just allow a fight club and they're fucking like the front yard. Yeah. And Danny Glover's keeping everybody back. Like, yeah, no, yeah. no, that's his arrest. It's his arrest. So it's like, he's not arresting him. He's fighting. Yeah. He's fighting <laughs> him with the intent of killing him, but he decides and to, then, he decides to like, yeah, let's make this interesting. I think even Murtaugh says at the end, like, break his necks. And he's like, no, it's not worth it. Then gets up. Like, uh, okay, you just told him that it's his arrest, but you wanted him to break his neck. <laughs> and I'm sure he's not the only person saying that, too. I bet there's, like, a fucking guy, like, yelling, like, kill him! Kill him! <laughs> <laughs> and he gets off scot-free. Um, but that's the only thing I have is like, how is this okay? Yeah, it's not okay. <laughs> and that's, I, uh, that's I'm answering movie with, magic for you yeah, right there. Yeah, that's movie magic. Just like, oh, right, this is gonna be a more compelling scene. We just let them to fight it out in the yard of Murtaugh's right. house. But if that didn't happen, we would have got that fucking like that just cold line <laughs> that yeah. Gibson delivers like five minutes before that. So um, I don't know. That's the only one that I have. Do you? Yes. Yeah. So I, I actually did have one and I uh, I earmarked it for this uh, particular category um, in the desert when uh, Murtaugh's daughter is driving the limousine and trying to get away from the helicopter. The helicopter is like trying to sort of halfway land on the car to stop it. And most of the time it's in the air. And she's trying to floor it and escape this helicopter. Uh, The helicopter can't stop as fast as a limousine can. Why doesn't she just slam on the brakes and turn instead of going in a straight line? I don't get it. Every time I watch this movie, she goes in a straight fucking line at top speed and she doesn't realize, Oh, I can slam on the brakes and turn. And this helicopter has to like do this whole big roundabout to try and catch up with me. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, yeah, she's probably not the best driver, but even an inexperienced driver can be like, Oh wait, this person's keeping up with me going this direction. I should switch directions. Uh, I, I'm going to try to answer that one. Um, I'm going to chalk it up as one being an, an inexperienced driver, uh, she's in high school. Although yeah. when she's cast in this movie, she's like, I think the actress is 27. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere. She's only 14 years younger than Dan Glover. Yeah. Um, I'm going to chalk it up as the character is in high school. So she may, she may have had her license. We don't know whether she has it or not. She could be one of those, right. these kids now, like I noticed more and more kids don't bother to get their license right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so she may, maybe may an inexperienced driver and she might be scared. So she's not really thinking straight. Yeah, that That's, that's the only explanation I have. Yeah. We can chalk it up to nerves. I think I'm, 
And plus, that, that is a pretty logical explanation. And plus, it's like, uh, like thirteen years before Fast and Furious comes out, so she hasn't seen any of those yet. <laughs> if she had seen a Fast yeah. and Furious movie, she would have easily fucking maneuvered that car around to where she could have avoided that chopper. It's just, it's one of those, uh, those movie moments where you're yelling at the main character to do something, and you're just, you're frustrated that they're not doing what you say even though you know they they can't hear you mm-hmm. like in most horror movies or actually a good uh good uh uh you told the story about your mom i'm gonna tell a story about my dad uh every time we watch shenandoah and i've i've watched it a, a, a few times with him uh i don't know if you're familiar with the movie mm-hmm. but it's um uh, yeah the kid puts on a confederate cap uh, yeah a confederate cap and then the union army captures him and every single time I watch it with my dad, he's like, take off the hat. He he just yells, it's take off the hat like that. He can't hear you. <laughs> he's already captured. It's fine. What if like one time he goes to maybe like the kid just yells back like, you know, like fuck <laughs> off, dude. <laughs> I like this hat. That just reminds me of a wrestling, like uh, a gimmick uh, in AEW where uh, this wrestler wore this purple bucket hat and his whole shtick was like, I like this hat. That's all he fucking said. And it, for some reason, got over. So when you said that, it kind of made me think of that. Yeah. Um, the most 1987 moment of the movie. <clears throat> Obviously, there's a lot of stuff in here like it. Totally looks like 1987. However, I'm going to pick um, the fact that throughout most of the movie, neither Riggs nor Murtaugh are wearing a seatbelt when they're driving in the car, which yeah. I was like more of a thing back in the 80s. Like, oh, you know, fuck it. It's like they don't have the click it or ticket thing or, you know, uh-huh. those kind of stuff. Yeah, they just get the car. Don't fucking fasten a seatbelt. And then uh, obviously like Riggs, just ripping fucking heaters in the car yeah. left and right. That's an ace. And you know, yeah, I mean, people a- still do it, but like not, it's like, that's the thing. Like you definitely seen in the eighties, just like without just a very cavalier attitude towards like secondhand smoke. There's a, uh, a very big, um, either like a magnet or a poster on, uh, Murkaw's, uh, refrigerator that says free South Africa and the apartheid too. So, that's that's pretty 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, that actually plays a big role in uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's yeah, actually the whole plot of the movie is uh, yeah. basically a South African, uh, what are they, ambassadors? They basically Ambassador, can, yeah. Yeah, they can just think they can get away with anything because like uh, diplomatic, diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that we're doing Lethal Weapon 1 because obviously now we have to do lethal weapon two at some point. Right. And it's the best one. So yeah. we got some uh, good future ahead of us. Right. Um, do you have anything for like the most 1987 moment of the movie? Oh no, that was mine. That was mine. The, uh, the whole apartheid thing. Um, the, uh, the Bob Evans, we're calling it for right now, uh, hot off the skillet take for your <laughs> hottest take regarding this movie. I think you and I have both said it. It's Lethal Weapon 2 is uh, one of the rare sequels that actually surpasses the original. In the originals, yep. Lethal Weapon's really good. 
I don't think it's really a, I thought that might've been a little bit of a hotter take when I thought of it, but since you're on, you know, par with me in terms of how you feel about it, it's not really a hot take at all. It's probably like Luke, maybe lukewarm. Maybe a lot of people don't yeah. feel that way, but could even be ice cold. What, what movies, um, I know, I know we're going to do our hall of fame later, but, um, I guess we could, we could do that later. Yeah. The, uh, the hall of fame for, um, sequel movies. Um, but like, well, you know, actually, that's where I'm getting ready. That's the last category, anyway. So, yeah, and we're okay. we're we're to that point now. All right, cool. All right, so the so, uh, yeah. Hall of Fame, uh, and I think we need to change this up at some point. I'll discuss this with you later. But uh, okay, for the rest of the year, we've only got a few of these left to close out 2023. So we'll just keep it rolling. We're gonna start a new, new revamped. We're we've got a construction crew in here. The, remodeling the joint, putting in like touchscreen computers, an interactive menu. Uh, we've got a self checkout kiosk. The, like we're just sparing no expense for this. We're we're going to, we accept Apple pay cash app and Venmo. So, yep. Yep. Uh, We do that too. Uh, no crypto though. We're not fucking with that stuff, but, um, for the time being the hall of fame, um, we'll just start right off the bat. Uh, sequels that surpass the original. Yep. So yeah, definitely in the uh, Hall of Fame for that. I, I think. So we'll just make uh, the top five. Yeah, I think so because I uh, it would be Star Wars, uh, this, um, uh, Star Trek, um, probably Rush Hour. Um, that would be your top five. Yeah, that would be. Uh, and there's a fifth movie there somewhere, but yeah. I think you already had five because you said Empire Strikes Back, Lethal yeah. Weapon 2, Rush right. Hour 2. And then this one. Yeah, I said Lethal Weapon so, 2. Yeah. yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Star- yeah. Um, Rush Hour 2. What was four and five? Yeah. Uh, four was uh, Rush Hour. Yeah, I then, said Rush uh, Hour. Okay, Star Wars, Lethal Weapon, Rush Hour, uh, Star Trek. Yeah, that's... And then, uh, yeah, I don't have a fifth one, though. Okay. I say no. And here's no. why. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. Aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, Alien and Alien depends on my mood. I, I don't know. Uh, they're kind, yeah, they're they're neck and neck. Yeah, if I'm in the mood for something, like, but I can. If you said that Aliens is better than Alien, I have no argument regarding that. It, <clears throat> but um, Empire Strikes Back, Aliens, Terminator Two, Judgment Day. I was I was about to say that's my fifth one. Yeah, uh, The Dark Knight. Hmm. And what would be my fifth? And I don't think I think Lethal Weapon. If we did a ten, I could say Lethal Weapon could be in the top ten. I don't know if, about five though. Hmm. I'm sure I'm I'm probably missing something, but just for the sake of not holding the show up for an hour and a half while I try to think of it, I will probably say Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's definitely true. 
Um, also, uh, if we were doing Ken, probably uh, the born supremacy better than the born identity. I am actually of the belief that I think the third one, the born ultimatum, is the best of the three. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, uh, also, uh, Toy Story. I think Toy Story 2 is better than Toy Story 1. Agreed. Man, yeah, so I, I still think Lethal Weapon cracks my top five, though. You know what? I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with it. I have I have no argument against it. Yeah, I'm just I'm I actually oh uh, fuck we totally missed Spider Man two. We actually have said oh, on this show <laughs> that Spider Man two is better than Spider Man. Yes, yes. And uh, I will also Man, ride all day for uh, honorable mention for Superman two. I actually like Superman two better than Superman, which is also done okay. by Dick Donner. It is, and uh, there's no weird uh, magical kiss superpower or um, uh, flying around the world to turn back time in Superman 2. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I I actually I fucking look this up like a real fucking goon. Yeah, yeah Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, dude, I cannot believe. Now that I, I look at it, I knew there was one we were fucking missing. I I have to take my fifth off. The Godfather Two is better than the Godfather. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll bump I'll bump uh, I'll bump Rush Hour for that. But I'm still keeping Lethal Weapon in there. I'm so ashamed of myself. Like I am a huge fan <laughs> of the Godfather movies, and I cannot believe I fucking left that off. That's what I get though for recording these at ten thirty at night. If we did this in the morning, I'd have been like fucking rattled them off like it was like it was my job. Um. All right, uh, buddy cop duos, Riggs and Murtaugh. I definitely think that these yeah. two would be on in the Hall of Fame. I actually think they're first ballot Hall of Famers because oh, I yeah. they're they're number one probably. I because I they've done they had done the buddy cop genre or like the formula in a couple of earlier movies, like uh, Forty Eight Hours kind of follows mm-hmm. that formula uh but i think Riggs and Murtaugh it's perfected and i think everybody has tried to get to that level since yeah and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that just Glover and Gibson just have this impeccable chemistry that like i think if they cast that movie a hundred times the hunt like they'll never get two mm-hmm. actors that go together as well as those two yeah, no way. Um, let's see, since we already did, I had action franchises, but since we did sequels huh? better than the original, I'm just going to pass that one over. Um, this one I did find to be interesting. Uh, fastest actors. And I, what I mean by this is like in a foot race, like mm-hmm. does this have like an actor that could like is legitimately like, like one of the fastest actors captured on film? Yeah, and I'm I think not so. dis- Who not else discount- would you put in there? Well, I think obviously the goat has to be Robert Patrick in Terminator Two. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has that run. He has that Tom Cruise run. 
where yeah it's just like <laughs> he kind of has he i think he's modeled some of his running style after uh robert patrick so he usually has his hands like in a mm. knife formation to kind of make himself a little bit more aerodynamic cuts through the air as he's running <laughs> yeah um, uh Eddie Murphy at the beginning of Men in Black, he's he or not Eddie Murphy, I'm sorry. Will Smith. Eddie Murphy uh is in another buddy cop movie. But uh Will Smith at the beginning of Men in Black. Yeah. I think is pretty fun. I, I would say though we'd have to put uh Gibson on there though. He's he manages to catch a guy in a fucking car. Although Glover helps yeah. him out with directions, but Yeah. He 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 uh ends up making Cutting them off at the pass. <laughs> um, last one that I have is uh, Christmas in L.A. as a movie setting. Mm-hmm. Pretty much you just have to go down the Shane Black uh, filmography yeah. to find this. I would say, yeah, it's this, Die yeah. Hard, and uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yep. Yeah. All right. Do you have any you want to throw in there? Uh, I kind of want to revisit the action franchises because uh, that's kind of a okay uh, different take than uh, than sequel movies. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it, we uh, it cracks the top five. Okay. Not I'm when we say action, like I'm not talking about like comic book movies, science fiction, like right or not like yeah, not like, fantasy movies. Like so, I would say like. Although the Lord of the Rings has elements of action in it, I would consider that an action franchise. We're talking about like uh burly uh police or uh military male lead from the eighties with lots of explosions and guns. <laughs> I would say so. yeah, lethal weapon would have to be on that list if you're and we say Hall of Fame, it's usually like five. Because most Hall of Fame yeah. like sports they do five. So mm-hmm. uh I would say yeah lethal weapon would have to be on there. I would say terminator but I think terminator gets hurt by the fact that one and two are so good and then like none of the other ones meet the expectations that you have got from yeah. the first two. Lethal weapon is pretty solid throughout. Like I said I don't really like the fourth one but it's not a horrible movie just I kind of got a little tired of it. Yeah. After all, but I really enjoy the first three for sure. Um, same with Beverly Hills Cop. I would put, I think, I really like Beverly Hills Cop too. I know it's a little, uh, and when we talked about like sequels better than the original, I actually like two better than one. Okay. I uh, think we finally found a, a movie that uh, we disagree on. I like the first one better. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I like them both. They're both good. But yeah. I, I just, I'm a Tony Scott fan. Tony Scott did Beverly Hills mm-hmm. Cop too. So, um, yeah. Action franchises. I would say Lethal Weapon. Yes. Fast and Furious would have to be in there. I would say no. Even though I like them, I would say that really the Fast and the first Fast and Furious is good. It kind of loses a little bit of steam and it really gets good from five through seven and it kind of tails off again. So it's kind of like yeah. it's been a roller coaster. So I don't know if I could throw that in, like a hall of fame 
uh, action franchise. Uh, John Wick. John Wick. Um, you didn't. You didn't even say Mission Impossible yet, have you? No, but yeah, Mission Impossible definitely would be on there. Yeah, <laughs> because even though two is bad for the most part, those movies have been pretty strong throughout the entire film yeah. series. Um, what about the Matrix? No, I won't say That's the Matrix. Kind of sci-fi. Uh, Die Hard. It's, it's mostly sci-fi too. Yeah, I'll say Die Hard. Die, Die Hard. Hard has been one through four are really good. I like. I know some people don't like Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. I actually really enjoyed it. So pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed that one. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's a, It's okay. I don't consider best, five don't a movie at all, so I don't acknowledge its existence. A Good Day to Die Hard is kind of like on Rocky Five. <laughs> For me, so yeah, I'd say it would probably be Lethal Weapon, John Wick, Die Hard, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, okay. and I don't know. It, I guess you'd have to put him in there. I would. I don't know. Like I would say Bond, but like I don't know. There, there was a really Bond was kind of bad for quite a while. Yeah, and there's there's and certain the, movies that aren't super action packed either. Like, yeah, it's um they're more noir and and you know uh, I think um the Bourne movies might be yeah okay I'll give you that and, yeah we'll do the the Bourne because uh. The first three uh, Matt Damon ones are fantastic. I actually like the the one with yeah, the Renner. Renner one. The Renner one grew on me after the fifth one came out. So the fifth one kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, the fifth one was kind of unnecessary, and I think it was really. I know sometimes they say uh, they certain actors just do a movie for a paycheck. I really think that Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon did that for a paycheck. Yeah. Which is sad. They kind of wasted it. A, they wasted a really good uh, supporting cast in that too. Tommy Lee Jones was like one of the the guy, like mm-hmm. the guy chasing born in that too. I'm like, fuck yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, Academy Award winning yeah. actor, and he's kind of gotten wasted. So at least we got a good meme out of that movie. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Oh, that is that is from the, that movie. <laughs> All right, that's the only good thing that came out of that. Well, uh, I, I got nothing else to add to Lethal Weapon. Uh, wish that you guys could sit and watch it. Awesome action movie from yeah. the 80s. Uh, I think for me, the 85 to 96, 97 is probably the best period of action movies, I think. Because a lot of them are kind of like, kind of over the top. And that's kind of like my wheelhouse. So, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to go back and revisit like the uh the movies that have kind of inspired uh earlier movies, definitely go check out Lethal Weapon. You can't re- yeah. You can't stream it anywhere. So, yeah, do yourself a favor, rent it on iTunes or yeah, Voodoo whatever. Um but do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap yeah. this up? Yeah, so um, you know, uh you know, this uh this movie Brings back a lot of memories, uh, just because you know it's uh, it's one of those uh, movies that I uh, enjoy from 
uh, not not necessarily my childhood, I guess, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, becoming a cinephile. Um, I uh, I think that you know uh, it inspires some uh, good Christmas memories too, because it's one of those movies that I break out during Christmas, like Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, those uh, Christmas feels of you know you as a kid and uh, you're sitting out in the yard and you watch uh, your neighbor uh, Hooker's house blow up and uh, you know, but anyways, yeah, no, it's one, it's one of those, uh, those movies uh, that I really enjoy revisiting every year. So uh, definitely pick up a copy if you don't have it and, and hopefully it comes out on streaming somewhere. Yeah. Well, now I think I'll add it into the, uh, the Christmas rotation too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We uh, went a little longer than normal, but hey, that's all right, though. Uh, awesome uh, chatting about uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, you can find us on social media. Just uh, look at the uh, links below in the show description. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twix, whatever they're calling themselves now. We're on threads. Uh, I'm starting to get the hang of TikTok. I uh, made my own TikTok video. I posted on there Tuesday. I'm going to start doing a little bit more on the uh, TikTok now, so follow us on TikTok. I'll probably put the link in there uh, as soon as I get a little bit more uh, comfortable with it. But uh, send us an email. That's in there, too. If you like what we're doing here, best way you can support our show since we do this for free is to leave us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. it. just took a couple minutes out of your day to leave us a review. That mean the world to us. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for the second installment of unconventional Christmas movie month. Um, should we tell them now or should we just uh, wait a couple days and let them follow us on social media? Well, I mean, we can tell them now that makes it so that they have to listen to this. Okay. All right. Well, next week's, unconventional Christmas movie selection is uh, one that I picked and it's a very special uh, movie to me. Uh, we are doing Rocky Four. That's right. Uh, if you want to find out why I think Rocky Four is a Christmas movie, be sure to tune in next week. So uh, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, that way you don't miss out. Uh, hopefully we'll get it out Monday or Tuesday. I know uh, we've been pretty good on a schedule, but you know we've had some issues that we, we haven't. <laughs> We uh we talked about at the beginning of the we show. We've made it so. past the curse. Yeah, we're we've made it past the curse. <laughs> yeah, we're past the curse now, so we're good. Uh but yeah, we appreciate you guys uh checking us out. So until next week, we will talk to you guys later. <laughs>